Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris, and today we're looking at Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 24. Uh, I'll read um, first to get us started. So I ask, Did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch, then, as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? There's a lot <laughs> to unpack here. Uh, we, uh, I'm going to reference some arguments that are often brought up in this section, but because they are more explicitly spoken about in the next couple of verses, Um, I will leave that for Chris and (laughs) Philip, and I will just cover the the easier uh, things to to think about and and, uh, chew on. So in verse 11, we have a pretty natural question that's coming towards uh, the conclusion of his argument. You know, nine chapters 9 through 11 are this really big argument. You know, what's going on with the Jews? If all this grace has come to Gentiles, What's happening to the Jews? So this is the conclusion. This is the third, maybe, argument, if you want to look at it like that, that's brought up in these chapters. This is the concluding argument, uh, as well as the third and final argument in this uh, section of three chapters. And so kind of the one of these last questions he's asking is the big last question. Did they stumble? Did the Jews simply stumble? Uh, and in their stumbling, you know, the Gentiles... Uh, the gospel has been brought to the Gentiles, but did this is this stumbling also going to lead to their not being allowed uh, into heaven? Are they are they have they stumbled in a way that they can never um, 
reach God again? Are they just completely lost? Is is a way that this can be can be viewed here. Um, but Paul answers in in an optative form, which he does several times. Uh, it, it's it's very strong. My Greek teacher would often say it's almost like Paul cursing. That's how strong this optative uh, mood is in the Greek. He's saying there's no possible way. You are ridiculous for saying this, and I won't actually curse here on the podcast for dramatic effect, but maybe you can apply that through through Paul. He's saying rather their trespass, uh, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. This jealousy motif, again, was brought back in the last chapter, and I think it's strong throughout the whole Old Testament. God will use jealousy uh, to bring us back to him. When, he, when we see good things happening to God's people and God continuing to hold out for his people and keep his people strong, that should cause a bit of jealousy in us who are turning away from him to see, oh, God is the one that provides. He is the one that can... Um, only one that can truly comfort me and guide me in this life. And so in, in verse 12, he, he brings this out even fuller, but he, and, and that's not a play on words, but the, the primary word here in this section is full, uh, fullness. Um, if you are reading from an ESV, they, they throw in the word inclusion, but um, that's not literally what's being said is how much more will the will their fullness mean how much more will their fullness mean well what does paul mean by this uh some people take this to mean that um all of the jews regardless of them believing or not simply if you are an ethnic jew you will be saved uh, because that would truly show um god redeeming israel and that's what fullness means here so fullness can be taken quantitatively or qualitatively and and that's it's not completely divided i think there are probably a lot more that would say uh qualitative versus quantitative and what i mean by that um so let's look at the if we said it was a uh, a quantitative sense we would be looking at it numerically and we would be saying, oh, all of Israel, you know, counting them off, all of, of Israel, believing or not, will be included in. And that's the extreme version of looking at that quantitatively, but that would be the far end of the argument. The other end would be saying it's qualitative, and it doesn't refer to a specific amount of Jews. Rather, it refers to uh, the blessings of the kingdom um, as it towards Israel as a corporate entity. You know, that's been missing for a while. So God is going to fully include, just like in chapter 9, where Paul lists all of the gifts, all of the blessings that Israel has received on account of God, um, the oracles and the and the prophets and all these sorts of things. This would be the, the final blessing, is this uh, blessing of the kingdom and, and bringing the faithful Israel into it. So that's more of a qualitative way of looking at the word. Um, and again, scholars are divided on some of them, but I think there is a moderate majority that would say, well, we don't have to separate the two, and we don't have to take both to the extreme ends. And 
I really like the moderate way of viewing things. I don't think you have to take a, a full left or a full right view on something all the time. And I think this applies here too. I think this full inclusion could mean, yes, definitely, it's this last bestowing of grace and, and mercy on God's uh, originally elected people. And so this this is a big deal. It's, it's a lot of grace. It's a lot of kindness being shown on behalf of God, which is in line with his character. But I think it also might refer to a, a, a numerical value. Not necessarily all Israel, but I think this might, as, as this text is going to go on to say, uh, might allude to God bringing in more Jews um, by faith, uh, by grace, into um, salvation. So it's interesting to think about, and I think Paul continues to, to develop that in these next several verses. Um, in verses 13 through 14, it's kind of an aside. Paul kind of goes on to talk about his ministry and ties this into the whole jealousy aspect of how God works. And if God's going to work that way, hey, Paul's going to work that way too. He is, even though he's been called to the Gentiles and that is his his duty, he is he sees as a maybe um, an additional benefit, an ancillary benefit is that the Jews might become jealous. They see Paul, who is this great Pharisee who is maybe even considered to be brought into the Sanhedrin, um, if he's the one reaching out to these Gentiles, maybe he knows what's going on, and, and because of his knowledge and his understanding, Jews will turn to the faith because of that. So Paul sees that as an added benefit of his ministry. Uh, verse 15, uh, again, is going to be this continuation of um, what was brought up in, in verses uh, 11 and 12. And it's the idea that all Jews, right before Judgment Day, as the eschatological age is being brought in, all Jews, there will be this mass conversion of Jews. And um, I don't think that's a completely foreign and crazy idea. It seems um, it's hard for me to swallow even. It's hard for me to really come to terms with. But it would show God's kindness, wouldn't it? It would show God's grace and mercy towards his originally elected people if he did something like that. Well, this is how that argument is, is broken up. Some some would argue here for mass conversion of Jews in order to usher in the eschatological age. And they say that because, so verse 15 again is, for if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, that's something that's already happened. They rejected Christ, so Christ was brought to the Gentiles. Okay, That's the first part. The second part of this verse says, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead. So if there is this time where God brings in a a large number of believing Jews, some would argue from this verse that once God does that, it would usher in um, the eschatological age, would bring in the kingdom, uh, specifically would bring in the resurrection, but life from the dead. That's probably what that would refer to. The difficulty is that this specific phrase is not used anywhere else in the New Testament. You have from the dead plenty of times, and that's always in connection with resurrection. Um, so there is some um, there is some precedence for taking this in a very literal sense. Paul is saying here when when God converts these Jews and they come to faith in Him, that once this happens, um, 
resurrection will begin, the new age will begin. So just to clarify, that is, after the full numbers of Gentiles are saved, God will miraculously bring in a mass number of Jews, which will then directly lead into the full coming of the kingdom. The timing of these events, though, are not outlined in Scripture. Okay, So it's not like we can say it's, it's going to happen boom, 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 and hey, we're in, in the resurrection age. They're not outlined. That timeline's not outlined. So it could, it, it's not necessarily as successive as I think that some scholars would argue for. Um, God seems to never work out things just the way that we think he's going to. We seem to try to misconstrue his words or we have a very earthly understanding of the way he's going to do something. And I think this is definitely one of those things. It's not something I worry about. I think God's got, God's kindness, uh, he's got this. He knows what's going on, so I take uh, I have faith in that. Uh, verses 16 through 18 have two metaphors. And uh, while it's confusing, it's not odd to, to place these metaphors so closely together. One commentator talks about Quintilius, who was a, a really famous uh, uh, teacher of rhetoric says that this is a really good way to argue something. You take two metaphors, you put them really close together, but you don't mix them, but you place them really close together, and, and Paul seems to be doing that from um, from experience and, and being a good, um, a good speaker. So these two uh, metaphors are also are a lot of disagreement lies. First fruits here in verse 16 um, most likely refer to uh, for, uh, the, the first Christian Jews. But that's not saying that just because some Jews originally believed that somehow their holiness is transferred over to others, just like the second part of this verse, uh, it, when it talks about if the root is holy, so are the branches, that doesn't mean there's necessarily a, a transference of holiness, but it's the same idea that in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Because Jesus has already done it, we can be rest assured that we will also participate in it. So I think that's more what this is alluding to. Uh, I think the first fruits here would be referring to Christian Jews, and the root here in verse 16 would be referring to the patriarchs. And that's based on, um, I believe it's like verse 26, where it refers to, um, as verse 28, um, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. So that kind of has the same idea behind it as, as verse 16 does. In verse 17, really through, I mean, almost, I guess, all the way through 21, uh, you have the metaphor of the tree and the olive branches and uh, being broken off. Um, it's pretty straightforward. I don't think we should have a lot of trouble in, in, in talking about this. So just really quickly, I'll hit on this, and, and this will close us out. Um, only some of the branches are broken off. I think we should notice that and wild branches are bro are grafted in. We are wild branches. We were those things that did not originally belong. Salvation had originally only come to the Jews, but because because of their unbelief, they were broken off. Because of our belief, we're grafted in. Those are passive verbs showing that we did nothing. Uh, God's the one that grafted us in. Uh, we, we didn't climb our way up the tree and, and graft ourselves onto it. God grafted us in on the basis of our faith. And that's really brought out in, in verses uh, 19 and, and 20. Uh, 
unbelief and faith there in verse 20 are both dative's of cause, showing that's because of their unbelief, because of our faith. Um, it has nothing to do with our good works. Uh, it has simply uh, on the basis of faith. Verses 22 through 24 uh, talk about the kindness again of God. And isn't it going to be the greatest kindness if he were to graft back in the, the natural olive branches? It would show God's kindness. Uh, verse 22 is also going to emphasize his severity towards those who have fallen, but his kindness towards those who have faith, who um, have pledged allegiance to him, so to say. Really cool set of verses here, a lot to think about, a lot to consider. Um, None of this is a salvational issue. I think a lot of people try to argue it like it is. But whatever whatever, uh, side of the debate you take uh, has no effect on your salvation. And just because you and I might disagree has no effect on my salvation. So what's really cool is that we can talk about this, try to find out some understanding, try and look for what's going to happen with God and what's he going to do with the Jews. It seems that God has a plan. He has intention, and and I think we can take uh, confidence in that. Hope you have a good day. You're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor.